Welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. Welcome to another show of Sound and Vision. My name, like I said, is Marty Boston, and once again, we're joined by the infamous, very intelligent, very dashing Dan Wilson. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi, how it's are nice. you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. It's it's nice that you call me dashing on the radio because they can't see what I look like. Exactly, they don't you know could, I actually look just dreadful at all times. But they, they be, can they can maintain the illusion. You could be hunchback of a Notre Dame and they wouldn't be aware of it. You're not, by the way. You you are dashing to look at. Marty, happy birthday! Hey, it's my birthday. It's physically my birthday today. I was born on this day, thirty one years ago. It's insane, isn't it? This youthful voice is 31 years old. And that's actually, thank you, Dan, the segue um, to the theme of this week, which is the year 88, or in Roman numerals, a load of M's, a load of C's and X's and I's and all that jazz. Yeah, 31 years old. You're still still killing it with the jokes. Yeah, still killing it. Um, it's taken me 31 years to think about, and I feel like it went down really well. Do you feel 31 years old? No, um, I feel like that... I've had 31 years of experience of not knowing anything, and I feel like in the next 31 years it'll probably be the same as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty much standard human existence, isn't it? Yeah. You always think the people older than you know what they're doing, and you, look, you look at your parents and like, oh yeah, they're like one day I'll grow up and be, you know, smart and intelligent and know where I'm going with my life, and then and then you woke he, up, but your parents were winging it the entire time yeah, as well. Exactly. This podcast just full of optimism as per usual. <laughs> We love life. Um, so, Sound and Vision, if you've never been here before, or if you're an avid listener, I'm going to explain it to you nonetheless. Both me and Dan have two choices each of the theme of this week, 88. I will give you free clues, and a little bit of music will be played. That's your time to work out what in the world we're speaking about. We'll come back, discuss the choice, then it'll be Dan's go, and we'll do that twice over. So, me, Dan, me, Dan. Simple enough. Lots and lots of fun. Dan, the year 88, you weren't even born. I was not. This was four years before I was born. I was born in December of 92. So uh, th- these films are absolutely retro for me. But Nice. A lot, of, a lot of really good films this year. It's an amazing year for films, isn't mm. it? I know that neither one of us have chosen this film, so I can disclose it. But the Oscar winner for this year was actually Rain Man. Which shows how long ago Rain? Have you ever seen Rain Man? I've not, and it's one of those. It's it's on my list. I keep a list of shame, as I'm sure the listeners are aware, because I don't ever watch any films. Basically, mm. despite being on a, on a radio show and podcast about films, I I haven't seen most films. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely one of those films that I I need to watch. Do you know the general premise? You must have heard of Rain Man as an idea. Dustin Hoffman, yep. knows smart things. <laughs> He can Is that count, it? He can count numbers. He's really good with maths. Or math, if you're in America, because they drop the S, don't they? Mm. I know math. Unfortunately, they don't know England. <laughs> or English. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise is also in it as well. Yeah, sure. Love a bit of Cruise. Also, disappointingly, uh, my first choice for this year was Die Hard, which has already been discussed on the show. It has. But it is one of my favourite films of all time. It is a wonderful film, not a Christmas film. Um, one of my previous guests, uh, and he will be coming back, I'm sure, Des, he says that it is a Christmas film. I fundamentally disagree. Um, it's a film I watch at Christmas. Is not a quintessential Christmas film. 
would you class it as a film in which when you think of Christmas films, even if you had a top thousand Christmas films, would it be in the list of Christmas films? I, when I think of Christmas, I think of this film because I watch it at Christmas. And ultimately, Christmas is what you make it, right? Okay. But it's the start of November, and that's all the Christmas discussion I'll be I'll be entertaining today. Yeah, I, I feel like it's fair because it, it's not a Christmas film. You can watch it in January, July, or December. Also, it's your birthday. Jesus, get out of here. It's, today's about Marty. <laughs> today's about me. Sorry. Um, so, with that segue, let's go on to my first choice. This was the first time Eddie Murphy played multiple characters in the same film, which became a trademark of his. The name of the fictional American country the main characters are from is called Zamunda. This name was taken from a Richard Pryor routine where he referred to a fictional African tribe of the same name. And clue three, a storyline in this movie shows that the McDowell's restaurant in this film is subject to potential copyright infringement. Now Dan, have you seen this film? So, I haven't seen this film. Also, based on these clues, even though I know the name of the film, I have no idea what this film is. So I feel that you maybe <laughs> pitched these clues a little bit too difficult this time. I, I, I mean, McDowell's is a big clue. Zamunda, I, I can't even stress. And Eddie Murphy limits its choices way down. Okay. We will give you a bit of time to think about that, and then we'll be right back after this. I don't know if we can better better without copyright knocking on a door. And go, I reckon we probably don't have a wide enough reach for copyright to really come knocking on a door. That that. Hey, now you don't know. We could have that avid one listener who also works for copyright of sorts. Maybe, probably not. Um. So, the choice. Did you guess it? I guessed it. Dan didn't guess it because Dan hasn't seen this film. It is, of course, coming to America. I will give you a brief plot. Eddie Murphy is a prince in Zumunda, made up, not real, as the clues suggested. And, he, you know, he's more than happy to sleep with many of his, they are slaves, servants, whatever you want to call them. And James L. Jones is his dad as well, which is brilliant because he sounds like Mufasa, which is amazing. And, um, you know, to, to the point of slavery and all that jazz, when... He will be sitting in a bath and there will be handmaids washing his penis. There's even a line going, the royal penis is clean, sir. That's how like crazy it is. Anyway, long story short, he's going to be married to a woman who he's never met before, he doesn't love. It's forced marriage, essentially. 
he's not happy with that. So instead... Just, he, just going to interject there. Go on. A little bit of irony to be had with a guy being upset about being forced to marry a girl when he's got a load of women forced to wash his penis. <laughs> and, and they do much more as well. It, it's ridiculous. Um, so he makes up the idea that he's just going to Queen's to sow his royal oat. Now that I think about it, it doesn't really send a message of, yay. Um, so he goes to Queen's. It's 88. It's fine. He, he randomly chooses Queen's because... He's looking for his queen. That's why he chooses it. He does it on a map, pinpoints and maps it. Goes there. Eddie Murphy, who is completely... He's a prince of a country which has never been to America before. He doesn't know about America. So he assumes everyone's going to know who he is. You know, that he can go around walking around rich and lovely and everyone will be fine. He'll have the same stature and, and power that he had as a home country. Yeah. He goes to New York in a dodgy area where no one is like that. Everyone steals everything he owns and he gets a very hard awakening and he starts working at this restaurant called McDowell's, which um, is a complete ripoff of McDonald's. They have the same thing. So instead of a Big Mac, they have the Big McDowell. Um, they've even got the M, but instead of the golden archways, he just calls it the golden M. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's so funny as well. I'm very surprised that in a world where McDonald's do everything they can to advertise their product, they didn't just use McDonald's in this film. <laughs> no, it would have been so much easier. And he falls in love with the woman who is the manager's daughter. Meets her, but she's already got a guy. Yeah, he, he he's really, really into it, but she's already got a guy. And uh, long story short, it's the battle of finding that. But he's also got to deal with the fact that his father's unaware of this and father comes to America looking for Asim as well, which is Eddie Murphy's character. Tries to work out what's going on there. He was only meant to be here to sleep with a bunch of women. Then all of a sudden he's not. He's falling in love. And then he's trying to hold, hide his identity as well from this woman. It's a real, you know, episode of emotions rolling around, really. So what it is, then, taken from this plot, it's, it's a true love story that boy is lost, boy thinks he owns the world, meets the right woman, right woman changes man, man falls in love with woman, they get together through adversity. Yeah, in short. Your classic every, love film plot. Every rom-com ever created. Mm. It's, it's like that, but it's with Eddie Murphy, and it's very funny. And, like I said in Clue 1 as well, this is the first time Eddie Murphy was multiple people, which is a trademark of his, especially in the late 90s, early noughties. Um, it's very much he likes to play multiple characters with the prosthetics and the makeup and all that. He does that in this, and it's wonderful the way that he does it as well. It's really enjoyable, very unique to see at the time as well when this came out. Not that I would have known because I was born that year, but nonetheless, it's still a wonderful film. I would highly recommend Coming to America. It's very easy to watch. Very light, very funny as well. And like I said, James L. Jones in anything is a win for me. Hmm. Does he sound like Mufasa during this film? Yeah. Mufasa, Vader, you know, anything but James L. Jones. Yeah, what, what a pedigree for that man. I know, he's got a CV when it comes to films. What have you done? Well, you know, just the, the king of the pride. And also, I was... Um, the, one of the most well-known villains in the history of time. Yeah. Who do you think of villains? Well, obviously, I think, you know, Jeff Vader. No, no, Darth Vader, and that's me. Hi, nice to meet you. Simple. Very nice. Yeah, he had a really good CV. So why uh, why did you pick this film then, Marty? Because it's from the year 88. No, yeah, that's, that's the theme, but there were a lot of films that year. Yeah, no, there are. Um, this film really sticks with me. It was a film which I saw in the early years of my life, um, my, my early teens. And I just really enjoyed it. It was, it was the first film I saw with Eddie Murphy, to be fair, 
Then after that, I started to look into his filmography a little bit more. Saw The Night Professor, saw Life with Martin Lawrence as well, which is a really good film. Um, several of his. And in recent years, Eddie Murphy hasn't done the greatest movies. Um, Since Shrek, basically. I never liked Shrek as a film. I didn't really enjoy it. I was, you like Shrek. It's your birthday. We'll, we'll just carry on. We'll, no, no, we'll no. let that one slide. Do you like Shrek? Shrek is, Shrek is a film that is for the whole family. It's like... In a lot of ways, people think of a family film as being something like, oh, it's fun for the kids and there's jokes for the adults. But mm. in this film, they managed to combine the kids' jokes and the adults' jokes. The adults' jokes? The adults' jokes into the same film, mm-hmm. into the same jokes. Sorry. And they they absolutely nail it all the way through. And the sequels get progressively worse. But oh, I, I watched so cool. Shrek twice within the last month with different people and both times it held up. Really? Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just don't... Maybe it's just not my type of humour. DreamWorks, isn't it? Whereas it is. I'm more of a Pixar-type guy. But Shrek, of course, not released in 88. We're getting off topic. but No, yeah. So in short, Eddie Murphy, he was in his prime. He did lots of good films. Beverly Hills Cop, another amazing film of Eddie Murphy. You haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2 or 3, have you? I can already tell. No. No. Um, amazing films. Really enjoyable. Worth a watch, absolutely. But yeah, Coming to America. If you haven't seen it, give it a watch. If you have seen it, rewatch, like Dan did with Shrek twice over. And both times it was great. Dan, what is your first choice? Well, I'm not going to tell you that, Marty, because yeah, I'd be giving it away. Exactly. But what I might do is give you some clues. I love clues. Clue me up. My first clue for this film. With an estimated production budget of $70 million, at the time of its release, this was the most expensive film produced in the 1980s. And had the longest on-screen credits for a film. Oh, wow. You know both of my choices. Mm. I wonder if from that you can tell which... No. Okay, interesting. from that. Clue number two. This movie marked the first and only time cartoon characters from both Walt Disney and Warner Brothers appeared together on screen. Would have got it from that. Now you've got it. Yeah. And clue three. The, the three ingredients of the dip that kills some of the characters in this film... Turpentine, acetone, and benzene are all paint thinners, which are reused to remove animation from cells. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's such a smart one. I like that. Okay, we'll go to this and then we will reveal. Dan, what is your choice? Uh, my choice, Marty, is, is one of those excellent, excellent films that were coming out in this era where they combined animation with live action and is, of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, what a brilliant film. Can you give us a brief plot? Uh, in this film, Roger Rabbit, Toons uh, live amongst regular people in this world. So Toons are these 2D characters which are well, we're used to being animated, but they, they live in the real world in this film. And in this film, our, our protagonist, Roger Rabbit, 
is going out with a very lovely lady called Jessica Rabbit, a, a, a buxom redhead mm. who uh, who is pictured what appears to be fornicating with another man who is subsequently crushed by a safe in typical Toon fashion, crushed by a safe Acme style. Uh, Roger, who is expected to have been the jealous lover in this film, is accused of the murder of this man, and it's up to him to clear his name. Who is the real-life person who helps Roger? Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins, yeah, sure. Yeah, this was a Actor film names which aren't, aren't really helped Bob Hoskins go into stardom. It was a really good film. Um, there was a, another film which happened around about the same time frame which no one ever saw because this was for standalone when it was real life and cartoons together called Cool World with Brad Pitt in. No one's ever seen it. Same sort of style, same cartoon characters. Very much so. Um, but it's a 15. The story's not as good and mm. the animation's definitely not as good. You can tell that Ben... I mean, obviously you fully appreciate that Bob Hoskins and Roger are not in the same world because you understand that cartoons don't actually exist in our life. However, at the same point... It looks real, whereas in Cool World, doesn't so much. Interestingly that you say that it's obvious that they're not in the same world. Uh, another clue I considered for this film, the director's child, for weeks after seeing this film, wouldn't speak to his dad because he had worked with Bugs Bunny and his dad didn't reduce him to him. <laughs> and the child was furious that he'd met Bugs Bunny in real life and, and not introduced them. But it's done so well. Yes, and it, it's one of these genres of film that... Unfortunately, animation these days is... I say unfortunately. Animation these days is excellent. Particularly mm. what Pixar and the main companies are putting out. But we don't we don't have room for this real-life cross-animation mix that we have anymore. Films like this, Space Jam, my personal favourite in the genre. Oh, Space Jam. Um, you, they're, they're very much a, a, a picture of their time. Mm. And you don't see it anymore. But it really, the idea that these tunes and the real people exist in the real world, in a time where special effects and and things like that are a little bit limited. It, it was just such a magical experience. I mean, when I was watching these as a kid, obviously they came out a little bit before I was born, but as a child you don't care about that. But the animation style, absolutely perfect. The slapstick humour mixed with the comedy acting. It's, yeah, just, it's just a really interesting way of presenting a film and quite a unique story. Um, inter- this was produced by Touchstone Pictures, which mm-hmm. are were a part of Disney, um, but it still managed to have all the, the Looney Tunes characters in it. Only, though... Uh, under the agreement by the the president of Looney Tunes at the time, that they would have exactly equal screen time as the Disney characters to not make them seem overshadowed by them. Wow. Mm. Smart, though, because what a collab that was. And it's never happened since. And good news for you, Space Jam 2 is currently in filming. Yes, very, very excited for that. In filming and in animating, hopefully. Yep, LeBron James is going to be the Michael Jordan because he's... The up-and-coming... Well, he's not up-and-coming. He is the basketball star of mm-hmm. this year. Um, so, yeah, amazing. That's going to come back out because I really, really enjoyed... There was one other film which I did, the cartoon and live action, which was Looney Tunes Back in Action. I had Brendan Fraser and Steve Martin. Didn't work out too well, to say the least. Did you see that film? Uh, see, the name rings a bell, but compared to, to this and, and uh, Space Jam, it really doesn't... Uh, really it, was, it was a no-brainer. It wasn't as good, put it that way. But nonetheless, this film and Space Jam. But this this is one of two reasons in why I fell in love with Redheads. One was Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts and the other was Jessica Rabbit. Do you know, interestingly, um, this uh, this film, it wasn't until the film had fully finished filming, they fully wrapped, done all the audio, done everything, mm. that Jessica Rabbit had a design. 
So all the actors and actresses around were supposed to picture what you think the most beautiful women in the world would look like animated. Really? And then afterwards they designed her, so they didn't even know who they'd be looking at. Wow. Also, uh, in terms of the uh, making her very buxom and sexy, mm. they the way they made her so breasty, because obviously she's a very breasty woman in these films. Very curvy. When, when your, your average person walks... Uh, the, the bounce will be downwards. They reverse that, so the bounce is upwards to make her extra busty during these films. <laughs> extra busty. Amazing. Uh, and, I mean, it works. I had such a crush. Even now, to be fair, I know she's an animated character, but she's gorgeous to It's 2019, at. Mike. You, you, can, you can fancy whoever you want. That's very true. You're right. I fancy a cartoon character, so be it. Lola Bunny's all right as well. Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's she's all right as I'd well. I'd hatch eggs with her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. It's not 9 p.m. yet. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go from that. Uh, I do, actually. My second choice. Oh, what a fantastic segue. The title character is named after a bright star in the constellation of Orion. Two. Michael Keaton playing the title character only appears in 17.5 minutes of the film. Mm. So that's 17 minutes 30, if you want to be like that. And clue three, Tim Burton tried to film the scene where shrimp jump off a plate and attack the diner party by positioning stagehands beneath the table and throwing them. Instead, it was suggested to place the shrimp on their faces, film them as they fell off, then running the film in reverse, which Burton did. See that—that's just that last fact there. When when we didn't have a huge amount of technology and we didn't have computer animation, the lengths and ideas and the creativity people had to go to to get the shots they wanted absolutely blow my mind. It's absolutely amazing. And to think I'm not getting this right. I'm not. What can I do? What? And seeing this film because I watched it again, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You don't take it as it's doing it in reverse because in some films you can kind of tell like when they speed up. Or, or something like that. For, for example, completely off subject, but we recently watched in the household Cheat Cheat Bang Bang. Wonderful film. But at the start, you can see that everything is sped forward to show that the cars are going really fast, all the audience are all clapping and waving, but it's at such a fast momentum. You can tell that it's happened. Mm-hmm. Same with reverse stuff. You can normally tell when it's done, whereas this, I don't see it. It's so well done, and I feel like it's down to the cinematography, and Burton in particular. He knows what he's doing. He's a very talented director, as we all know. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I mean, Burton, obviously, very, very familiar with practical effects. He's done enough animated, hand-animated stop-motion films that he, he would he would have some smart ideas about this. Absolutely. But, Marty, we're going on a bit. What is the film? Uh, well, I will tell you after this.
was um, a bit of music, just in case you didn't realise. You may just be tuning in. Did you enjoy it? Dan, did you enjoy that? That was a piece of it. Martin, why don't we just get on to what the, uh, what the film's called? Cool, it's called yeah. Beetlejuice. Uh, may have heard of it. It's a Tim Burton film. Funny enough, Michael Keaton, who was the title character, only because of this, he was then cast as Batman in Batman and Batman Returns because Burton enjoyed working with him so much. Enjoyable film. It's when two people who own a house, they die tragically. As you do. Yeah. Alec Baldwin is one of them. He's not a fan of this film. He doesn't like his acting in this film, which I find amazing because I really, really enjoy it. Um, And him and his wife die. It's horrible. They go into the afterlife, but the afterlife is not what you see. There's a waiting room. There's horrible people there. You get to see, and and death's very much of a conversation starter. You know, you just say, "How do I die?" and all that jazz. Uh, but they're ghosts as well at the same point in this household. And a new family moves into this house, which they own, and none of them can see these two other than one girl. She can see him, and Michael Keaton is part of this. He is not one of the two ghosts. He is. Someone called Beetlejuice. He's a horrible person. He wants to torment the ghosts. He wants to torment the people who live there as well. Because the two people who died want these people to leave this household. So they call this guy in. He's almost like an exterminator for the living. Uh, so he calls for his services. Everything's fine. They're like, fantastic. He's going to do well. But actually, Beetlejuice is a horrible person who's only in it for himself. In addition, on top of that, the two dead people start to like this family and appreciate who they are so they no longer want Beetlejuice's services. Beetlejuice is not happy with that and continues and makes it more and more horrid. Falls in love, all of that jazz. It's horrible, but it's Tim Burton's, so it's very black comedy, very funny, very entertaining, very slapped. Animation, going back to what you were saying as well, there's a lot of that in, involved in this as well. So there's sandworms, giant, gorgeous things as well. But the fact that someone has handcrafted this is fascinating in addition, on top of that, a little bit of background on the sandworm. Prior to Michael Keaton being cast, the sandworm was already created. That film had already happened. They knew what they were doing. But because Michael Keaton was then cast, they wanted to show that the sandworm was an entity of Beetlejuice. So they changed the head of the sandworm and had to reanimate it to make it more like Michael Keaton, which is amazing. Bit of a pain for the people that have already animated the worm. Absolutely. But... I've done my work. Honey, I'm coming home. Oh, no, I'm not coming home, actually. I've been... Michael Keaton's here. Got to, got to model his face now. Got to be in Vancouver for the next six weeks. It's a pain in the ass. But wonderful film. Winona Ryder's in it. Very, very young as well. Wonderful film. Really enjoyable. Have you seen this film? So I haven't, Marty. And there's actually a sort of a vaguely interesting fact about why. Wonderful. Uh, it's one of the few films that my mum spoke about often when I was young because she was genuinely terrified of this film so i'd always assumed until probably the last few years that this was some sort of horrendous horror film um and that i should probably never watch it so i you know i'm not a fan of horror yeah i don't like to be made jump I, i'm getting better with it i went to go see uh, dr sleep recently very good film for anyone who's interested i do want to see that um I, I enjoyed the shining dr sleep I, I maybe enjoyed just as much but this film i was always convinced it was going to be utterly terrifying so i never watched it because my mum always was too scared of it um, what was it in particular that your mum was scared of? A sandworm? That's normally the thing. Oh, I don't know. Maybe she just hated Michael Keaton. It's impossible. Keaton's a lovable man. Um, the sandworm is terrifying, admittedly, because they go to uh, the desert of the unknown, essentially. 
and you just and it's giant you know it's the size of the empire state building more or less just going in and out of the sand horrible absolutely horrific but you get to see stuff so it's the same type of worm that you can imagine in the nightmare before christmas um and you can see lots of different things burton world is very much connected you will see little ideas that he has and then he uses them later on so for example jack um his head can be seen at one point on something this is obviously prior to the nightmare before christmas five years prior and then obviously you see you see jack in the nightmare before christmas same with frank and weenie as well which is another film is of his you get to see the dog's head in this film as well again you see that in matt he he, he likes to do that a lot which i'm more than happy with Interestingly, Jack Skellington, not his only cameo, he pops up in uh, another part um, animated film, which is uh, James and the Giant Peach. He's on the pirate ship at the bottom of the ocean. He totally is. Mm. He is the captain, isn't he, of the sunken ship. He is, yeah. What That's a correct. brilliant film that is. Yeah, very, very good. Holds up as well. I watched it recently. Really? Yeah. yeah Bag good. full of crocodile tongues. Why will they get you? A good cast as well. Really, really good. Pete Possefwaite is the guy with the magical worms yeah crocodile tongues um yeah crocodile he he died uh, admittedly uh, but he was a wonderful actor really enjoyed him one of his last films inception was a really good film who is he in inception he is cillian murphy's dad um of course mm-hmm. in in the safe right at the end with the windmill yep that's him uh he was also in romeo and juliet the leonardo dicaprio one baz Luhrmann. yep wonderful film really enjoyed that film but yeah, overall, uh, Beetlejuice, if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. It's really funny, light-hearted, gothic. Dan, you definitely need to give it a watch. I feel like you'd really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, probably. I might uh, I might stick it on the list for like sort of a holiday film this year. Sort of that animated, easygoing. Yeah, you can sort of kind thing. of watch it round about now, to be fair. You can get away with it. But yeah, Beetlejuice, give it a watch. Dan, what is your second choice and the final film of this discussion? Well, Marcy, let me give some clues, see if you can work it out. Mm. Uh, this movie is a big screen continuation of the cult cop spoof series Police Squad. The title was changed to avoid confusion with the Police Academy film franchise, which was also created by Pat Proft. David Zucker remembers that they were given a list of about 20 potential names and they chose the name of this film... Because it promised so much more than it could possibly deliver. <laughs> uh, O.J. Simpson is in this film. He is. <laughs> and when he was cast in the first film, he was a sports legend and burgeoning movie star. Mm. By the time the third part of this film came out, he was on trial for murder. <laughs> because of that, he was awarded the Golden Raspberry for Worst Supporting Actor in this film. Did they have Golden Raspberries back then? They did, yeah. Wow. Also, final fact, Marty. This film was released on December the 2nd, 1988, which is my birthday. Oh, that's lovely. How's that for a connector? That's amazing. No films came out on my birthday. It was November the 4th in this year. But it was four years four years later, my birthday, but still, the day, exactly there. It's, it's not relevant. It's wonderful. Oh, good. That's nice. Okay, we'll be back after this to reveal.
Time is up. Dan, what was your choice? My choice, obviously, Marty, is The Naked Gun. Oh, Full name, The Naked Gun, from the files of Police Squad. <laughs> a, uh, a film continuation of the 1982 TV series. Never seen the TV series. I didn't actually realise there was one until I uh, started researching this film. I wasn't until you just made me aware. But yeah, I'm probably something I'm going to be check out now. It was originally a TV series that got cancelled because the viewers, if they didn't watch it in order, wouldn't know what was happening. So I guess TV back then didn't ask so much of its viewers. Mm. But yeah, a very, uh, a very, very, very funny film, which to this day holds up hugely. Can you give us a brief plot? Yeah, of course. Uh, so Frank Draven... Who is, of course, played by <laughs> Frank from Airplane and uh, pretty much anything, actually. And is played by Marty. Come on, uh, Leslie Neeson. Leslie Neeson. He uh, he is a detective who uncovers a plot for a uh, hypnotized baseball player to kill Queen Elizabeth II on her visit Such to America. Such a horrendous story. It, it, it's not really a film that's about its plot, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Naked Gun, as with as with Airplane, is a, a film that's about comedy, misdirection, uh, slapstick humour, and is is just one of those films that is just utterly hilarious from start to finish. I, for anyone that hasn't seen Airplane or or, or the Naked Gun, I'm just going to try and pull up some uh, some quotes of the film. But it's it's one of those films that that what the, the, the one a few of the moments that stick to my mind is uh, Leslie Nielsen is looking up a ladder, at his love interest in the film. And you just see him below her at the ladder. He looks up and says, nice beaver. And she says, thanks. It was recently stuffed. And hands him a taxidermy beaver. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just full of stupid one-liners and, and things that will make you laugh constantly. And it's, it's just the most hilarious film. I, I almost think these are the sort of jokes you don't want to know until you see the film. Yeah. But it, it's very much a film of its time. Where you, th- this humour, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not so... Can't do it anymore. You just can't because it's 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 too PC. In this not not just age. that, but I I think today films with. aren't so they they don't get given the opportunity to ask as much from its audience. No. Whereas these films are just pure comedy, and it's it's one of those films that I think as as much as possible you should be going into blind to watch, but is very much a film of its era. Which is one of the really interesting things I think of is 1988, the year you've picked these films from. They're all very funny, enjoyable hilarious films absolutely films these days are very much about drama and about political issues but the 80s were especially the late 80s were, were films where it was comedy and excellent and funny and uh, Leslie Neeson is just one of those actors who continuously played these funny roles through Airplane through Naked Gun um, and actually it was such a pivotal role for him that in, in 2010 when unfortunately he passed away they played the music from this film at his funeral as they, as they lowered him to the ground because it was such a pivotal role and such an really? excellent role for him Wonderful. That's amazing that mm. they can do that. He's unbelievably on point. And in this film, and two and three as well, which is Naked Gun, what oh, I think it's called One and a Half, and then Naked Gun Three Quarters as well. It, yeah, it's Naked Gun Three and, and One or Three Thirds or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's... And what's brilliant about it is he just says stuff, which is so funny, but he's so straight laced about mm-hmm. it. His face doesn't change. You know, he his character. He's not trying to be funny. It's just a way that he is. But you're not laughing with him. You're definitely laughing at him. And it just runs the entire film. Yeah, I, I think one of the genius things about this film it is Leslie Nielsen's delivery. Mm. Um, for instance, there's a point where during the film he uh, he gets fired from being a cop. And um, he just says, just think, next time I shoot someone, I could be arrested. <laughs> it's like, well, 
well, yes, of course, yeah, you're just shooting people at that point, but it's it's it's, it's just the, the 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 sort of misdirection and slapstick comedy is just just hilarious. At one point, uh, someone opens a box and offers him a cigar and says Cuban. He goes, "No, I'm a uh, Dutch Irish, but my father was Welsh." <laughs> but no one laughs. No one in the cast laughs, and nothing nothing ever happens. Everyone's just matter of fact. Okay, they accept it as if that that was a serious yeah. answer to a question. I wonder how many takes they did in order to do some of these because you can't help but laugh at the moments like just then as well can't help but you'd have to go through it again and again mm-hmm. and again and again because people are just going to be laughing including including Leslie as well I'm sure he did that's that's almost one of the things as well is you want the actors to be bored when they deliver these lines so that they're so deadpan and, and sort of without comedy opens the drawer at one point and goes while he's looking for clues and goes bingo just pulls out a bingo card <laughs> it's hilarious every moment during this film is just absolutely excellent I uh, I feel like this is one of the films in which they should have done a rush hour when the after credits is all just the spoofs and the goofs which they do because this film in particular would have been really, really good for something like that. It would have been really enjoyable to see Leslie just letting his hair down a bit and some of the other actors when he delivers some of the lines as well. Like in, uh, for instance, Toy Story 2. Yes, although that's completely redundant because, you know, it's not real life. I know, but I'd just like to bring up Toy Story as much as possible on this show. I mean, it it is a wonderful film, so I'm not going to deny that. That is the end of this week's Sound and Vision. I'm I enjoyed it. Dan enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, Mike. I just enjoy any any time I get to spend with you, particularly on your birthday. Yeah, exactly. It was my birthday, but yeah, '88 was 31 years ago. So if you are of an age in which you remember. The year 88 is a time when you're up partying or anything like that. And your ass is old. So I feel young all of a sudden. Thanks for that. That's a gift that you've given to me. Good. I'll be 31 in four and a half years. Good. Well, when you do that. We'll do another show. Yeah, exactly. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Dan, thank you very much for joining us once again. thanks for having me. Can't wait to be back. Yes. Have a week.